Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, this is Erica, and welcome to another episode of In Doubt. This week's guest is joining us all the way from South Carolina. It's Carl Barnhill, the owner and creative director of a ministry called 1230 Media. 1230 Media is all about using media and an online presence to share the good news of Christ. And in this COVID-19 moment, Carl and his team are doing everything they can to assist pastors, churches, and everyday Christians at home experiencing church online. This conversation between Daniel and Carl is one that we hope you'll find helpful as you navigate the new normal of online church and how to find community through your screen. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and I'm joined today with our guest, Carl Barnhill, who, um, well, I'll let Carl introduce himself, but he is sort of a, a, a church media mogul, I like to think. He, he has uh, a lot of experience in working online with church, and online church in particular, and we thought this would be a really fitting conversation, especially in the COVID season that we have found ourselves in. So, hey, Carl, good to see you. Good to, to be with you. And how are things going, man? Daniel, man, thanks so much for uh, for inviting me on. Really appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, things are going great. I'm in South Carolina in the States. So, uh, you know, it depends on what state you're in, whether the uh, the spikes are up and down or everywhere or mask or no mask or we're good. We're not good. So it kind of depends on where you are. But uh, but we're doing good down here in uh, in South Carolina. Well, Carl, tell me a bit about yourself and for our listeners, you know, some of your story. Tell us about your family, but then also how you got into doing uh, what you're doing now with with digital media. Yeah. So personally, uh, my wife and I have been married for 10 years. We have two uh, awesome sons, seven and nine. We just got a, a dog to the family. So uh, another female. Uh, uh, in the house, so a golden retriever that we're uh, that we're having fun with. Um, so that's personally, uh, but professionally, um, my career started out at Precept Ministries International, is where kind of I'd I'd done a radio station before, and I'd worked at Chick Fil A and some other things. But kind of uh, where what started me in the media realm was Precept Ministries International. So picture this: I'm like a uh, young twenty-something. And I go in and I get a job at an old lady Bible teaching program. Uh, that was me. Uh, so Kay Arthur, great friend of mine, went on to direct her uh, TV and radio program and lead the media department at Precept. So that was a great experience because it was it put me with a bunch of veteran people in media and also veterans in their faith. So it really grounded me really well and kind of taught me that uh, – you know, hey, don't be too big for your britches. Hey, you know, humility is a, is a big thing. Um, so don't act like you know it all. So, uh, and I, I keep some of this stuff to this day, even though, you know, God has put me in some different places. I have some ideas. I don't think of myself as a, a as an expert or anything like that. I, I see myself as coming alongside the church and, be, and being a servant to the church and, and what people are doing in, in their churches and in their worship experiences. Um, so I, I served at Precept for a while, and then I served on two church staffs, uh, one in Jackson, Mississippi, a church there, and then one in uh, in South Carolina, New Spring Church. Both of those churches were uh, were pretty large 
mega churches, big, big churches, where I did media content, I led volunteer teams, I uh, helped produce and craft worship experiences at both of those churches. Uh, and then uh, five or six years ago, well, really before that, but the Lord called me to really help more churches than just the church that I was serving. Um, and so that's where 1230 Media was born. It really comes from Mark 1230 when Jesus talks about the greatest commandment and how we are to love God and love people. So we can have the best worship experiences on the planet. We can do everything right in church world, uh, in ministry. But if we're not loving God and loving people, it, it's all worthless. Um, and so that's where it came from. And then uh, so the goal with 1230 Media is to help churches with their worship experience. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. My question for you is, why do you think that Christians have so often been late to the game in technology? Because, you know, you, you've done work with, with mega churches, but then I'm, I'm probably thinking, hey, it's very common for you to get a call from a very small church saying, hey, uh, we need some help here because nothing has been updated and we haven't adapted in a very long time. Why do you think that is? I, you know, this might sound weird because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rarely going to talk about money, okay, um, especially when it comes to, to ministry, because I know that prices need to be different based on ministry and stuff like that. But I think that some of it is, is money. I think that sometimes it takes a while for the leadership of a church to realize that we, this is an area that we need to spend our money and resources on. Uh, whether that is outsourcing a company, whether that is full-time staff, whether that is, you know, things like that. I think that it takes a while or it takes different things to let senior leadership at a church see the value in crafting experiences that will hit or that will minister to a variety of audiences. You know, and and I think a lot of times, the senior pastor role, because in a lot of churches, it's not, it's not committee, it can be committee run, but, but they can also be kind of the top dog and make whatever decisions they want to. So sometimes they can be a little bit uh, stuck in their ways. And so I think it's that, I think it's, I know how to do this. Um, and so we, this is how we need to reach millennials. Well, boss, you're 70 years old. Maybe we should talk to a millennial. I, I mean, I'm not trying to ding you, but you know, Maybe you should listen to someone that's, you know, 20 years old, 30 years old and put them in the room of the committee of deacons that you're all in your 70s. I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, so maybe it's that maybe there's a piece of those two things, maybe just kind of a little bit of stuck in our ways and a little bit of just seeing the value of spending our money, time, energy there. And we work with a lot of the. I, mean, I don't want you to hear me bashing uh, churches or bashing pastors. My dad's a pastor. Um, so, but, but I think that that's part of the reason. I hope that made sense. And, uh, no, definitely. And I think so much of that, cause I'm, I'm actually studying to become a pastor as well. I'm doing my master's currently. And so, and I've grown up similar to you as a pastor's kid. And, uh, my dad was a worship pastor. So often he was like involved having to buy really expensive gear. Like seriously, a soundboard can be like, you're looking at 80 grand sometimes. And to, to many churches, that's just really not a feasible thing. That's true. Uh, but there, I mean, there are other ways to do that. You can purchase a, a refurbished piece or you can, you know, a larger church is getting rid of old gear, you know, so there, there are definitely ways to do that. And I think it's some, it's some of that. It's some of, you know, there's the tithe money. Sometimes churches just don't have the money that, a, that a, maybe a Hollywood film studio would. Um, and so they just do not have the technology to get there. 
But I think of a couple of things. One, the technology has gotten easier to get to and and is less expensive. That's one piece. Uh, Another piece is, uh, and this isn't a sales pitch, but companies like ours that are out there that, I mean, part of our, our mission is to help churches who cannot afford a creative team. So I think that there are more companies like us that are out there that, you know, are helping the church in this way and that and instead of buying three staff members full time at 30, 40 grand a year, you know, you're going to spend a third of that, the third of a price of one staff member on a company like us. And now you can get to where you need to get to and not have to, you know, spend a whole bunch of money and and be on par with with other other churches. Absolutely. I hope that made sense. No, it definitely, definitely does. And I, I the part two you're thinking about was leadership has to be willing to adapt, willing to change. And that has never been more relevant than right now in regards to the COVID-19 thing. There's so much media going on. Like you go on Twitter, there's so many different regulations. But at this point, like this has sent everything completely online. And there's been so many churches that have basically been like, okay, we are uh, going completely online. There has been some churches who have basically said, hey, look, we don't have the resources, the time, or the talent to do this. And they said, that it's just not who we are. So check out this other church. They're doing a great job. Um, So my question for you is, this COVID-19 hits. During this time, as you've been working with churches, what has been the most surprising thing that you've noticed or the, the most surprising thing that you've experienced? And then what's been one of the most frustrating things that you have um, experienced during this time? Man, I would say I would say the most surprising thing is what you just said is that all churches everywhere, all of them have been forced to go online. I mean, who would have thought or imagined every single church in the country or close to the world would have to close their doors and not let anybody in for months at a time? Who would have thought that? Uh, and so I think the most surprising thing is that everyone is online. We are forced to be online. We've had to learn online. Um, and and every church has had to jump into the game. So the church that's like, not our culture, we're not online. Well, buddy, it's your culture now. Sorry. Uh, either that or, I, you know, or your, I would not lean towards sending people to another church. I mean, you would want to probably keep them engaged in, in your church. So uh, yeah, that's been the most surprising thing is that every, everybody and their brother, uh, every single church is online. And I think, and I think too, that it's gone longer. It's gone on longer than we would have expected. It has, it has. Yep. But you know what, man, you know, one of the most surprising things that I've seen is, is pastors surprised at the number of people that are watching online. So, I mean, it's it's surprised some people who were not in the game before when they've jumped online, they're like, whoa, we have triple, quadruple the number of people watching online. Whoa. Like that's really surprised people. Uh, and I think that's fun. And, and I think if you were to pin a pastor down, they might not say this publicly, but I think some of them are not as jumping to get back in church because they're they're being able to minister to sometimes three times the amount of people has actually come to their physical location. So that's been, that's been really exciting to see um, and has jazzed some pastors up because they, you know, they're, they're realizing that they're not just ministering to the people in one physical building, one physical location. 
now their doors are open to the entire world. And so I think some pastors that have seen views from their Facebook feeds of church, of people watching all over the world, they're blown away by that. Um, and so I think that's been the most surprising, most exciting thing. You were asking me about most frustrating. I would say for me and maybe for maybe folks in, in our circles, I think not being able to travel, I think has been most frustrating. Like like not being able to, for me, not being able to go and, and speak and at conferences or network with people, hang out with people in our space. Man, I, that that physical connection with people at a conference or at a, you know, a church setting or whatever, not being able to travel and get to see people in person. I mean, yes, there's been community on Zoom. You know, we can be a little bit uh, screen fatigue, a little bit zoomed out. Um, so I think that, I mean, we thrive on physical interaction with people. I do at least. Um, and so I think that's been the most frustrating is, man, I can't travel anywhere. I can't go see people and network. So definitely, totally. Okay. So here's a question for you. In my in my research, uh, I did some digging into you, Carl, and I found oh, out that you no. are oh no, you're a fan of Twenty Four, the the show. I am a f- and uh, dude. a fan of Jack Bauer. So listen, were there any moments? Because that show, right? The premise is essentially it's looking at twenty four hours that played out, but each episode's like one hour, right? So it's twenty four hours of this guy's life during like a major crisis. Uh, and my qu- question for you is: Have there been any like? 24-hour crunch periods that like you've had to pull all-nighters, uh, anything like that, any stories you got of, of doing, you know, church ministry, doing work like this, where you're like, my goodness, this day will never end, and we're literally about to pull an all-nighter to try and get this this thing to happen. Man, first of all, I love that you did not prep me on that question. <laughs> that is awesome. And you had to dig deep, man. That that show is... is uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I loved 24, man. Jack Bauer, get me a hacksaw. Thousands, millions of lives are at stake. Yeah, man, yeah. that was that was the that was the the show back in the day. Um, okay, so have I uh, yes, I would say that in church world, Christmas and Easter uh are are those times. And and even with what we do now at 1230, Christmas and Easter are still that that for us because you know, there's a lot of even though we're getting it done a few, you know, a little bit early uh, because they need it to practice with, rehearse with, like, say, if they need a lyric video or a bumper video, opener video, something like that. Uh, we're getting into them early, but they're, yeah, leading up to Easter and Christmas. And then if there's any revisions or if there's any like, hey, this messed up, we need it real quick um, or our click tracks not right or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that Christmas and Easter is, is tough. And I would say when I was working in a church, uh, you know, my, my family just, you got to prepare your family for those times in ministry, especially if you're in production or something like that, that like, you know, tell your family, you're not going to see me for a day or two. Like, it's just, that's going to be the way it is. And then, you know, I'm going to get more days off or make up that time later. So here's how we're going to work that. Um, and talk with your spouse about that. Uh, that's very, very important to, to talk through that. But I know that's kind of not as necessarily 24-hour period. I, I mean, I'm sure that Christmas Eve, you know, day before Christmas, day before Easter, I've spent some serious all-nighters doing doing those events. Well, here, let me let me jump this way then, because 
we're talking about screen, you kind of just brought up Zoom fatigue, and I, I do want to go there, but in my research and some of my reading, right, um, one of the things that I've seen is that younger generations, they found that there's increased amounts of anxiety and depression among, among this generation. And a, in direct correlation with that is the increased amount of screen time. And my question for you is, have you found this to be the case in churches that you're working with and even with those that you're working with or maybe even in your own life? Like, has it taken a toll on you to be always on a screen all the time? Yeah. So I would, I'm going to use a personal example. So I have, a, I have seven and nine-year-old boys, um, and we have had to limit them to one hour of screen time a day. And by screen time, we mean like on their iPad or on playing Xbox or watching their, you know, Minecraft on YouTube or whatever they're watching. Um, so, yes, we have. So w- when it was longer than that on their iPad, we would definitely notice more, you know, times we needed to lay down the discipline hammer. Yeah. And we, we realized it was in direct correlation with the screen time. It was amazing. Um, you, you know what's interesting, though, is older games and older TV shows did not, do not have the same effect on our boys as newer, more advanced games and shows. Here's what I mean. It's like if they were playing Wii or if they were playing, uh, like, say, an old school Nintendo or something like that, that, that would engage their mind a little bit more, you know, they, they went less berserk. But now I think I think that the graphics are so intense and you're so in the engulfed in what's in the screen that yeah, it takes a toll. I don't know the psychology of it, but yeah, it takes a toll on the, your behavior, your mental state. Absolutely, yes. Um, and so yeah, I would encourage um, and and look, we make media content for a living. I mean, so. We want you to watch a screen, and I'm telling you the reverse. I, I'm telling you, you know, man, get, go outside to a park, take a walk, you know, play cards, you know, things like that. That That's going to be, you know, sit down and talk to people, hang out, you know, that that's going to be meaningful, and, and that's going to help your relationships over being on a screen all day. And I think another thing that helps is on, on your Apple iPhone, it will tell you, you know, your your screen time report of how many hours you've spent on your screen each day. So I'm going to, in fact, my wife was looking at that the other day going, man, I've, I can't believe how much how much time I spend out of my day on my screen. You know, it was like four hours, five hours or something crazy um, or, or longer. And she was like, you know, I'm really going to try to be cautious of that, be, be aware of that. Um, because it, it does affect your relationships and behavior. So I don't know the psychology of it. I'm not a uh, counselor or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a correlation there. Yeah. One of the things that makes me think of is attention spans because we're, we often get made fun of nowadays, like back in the day, people could sit down three, four hours and read. And it's hard for many of us, myself included, to sit down for 20 minutes and read without distraction. Right. We choose the audio book instead or something like that. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. Like right. they would talk about music videos and how music videos change so quickly. Like, it's always a new image, new image, new image, new image. And then if you think about people on Instagram, it's another image, another image. Like, our brains are processing things so quickly, which has limited our attention spans. And so here's my question is, 
how long is too long for one of these church services nowadays? Like, because churches have gone online, you know, is this, should be, this be like an hour programming? How long is too long for a sermon in, in your thought? That's a great question. When, when COVID first hit, that's one thing I was really talking to churches about is you cannot have the same length of, of worship experience online as you do uh, in person if it's not live, your live stream. Like if you're pre-recording and putting your service together, do not have it be as long as your normal service. And so I would say, I'd say 45 minutes to an hour is, is kind of pushing the ceiling. Uh, max. Okay. Don't, if you usually do a 90 minute in person, cut that by 30, 45 minutes. That means you can't do a five or six song worship set. It's it's two songs and and then move on to something else. Yes. Do is attention span uh, a a deal? Yeah. I I would say a normal length of a sermon bumper that we produce 30 to 60 seconds. If it goes over that, you start to lose people. So you've talked about the, the Sunday experience, kind of the worship experience or the Sunday service. Tell me a bit about what your thoughts are on churches midweek. So, for example, lots of churches, you have small groups, community groups, right? Groups that are meeting up in, usually in people's homes during the week. A lot of them have had to switch to Zoom, right? And so I, I know that my, my group, like I had a community group and we switched to Zoom and it was okay because I was able to screen share and then have the Bible passage on the screen so people could kind of follow, follow along. But I noticed that in my community group, we just began to see a drop off. And I remember saying to my wife, I'm like, we just can't take this personally. I get it. Like some people just, the screens, everyone's just on screens so much that the last thing you want to do is be on a fifth Zoom call in the evening. And uh, so how, how what have you found out for churches? What have they been doing with small groups? Yeah, it's Zoom. Uh, in fact, we wrote a, an entire guide, Zoom guide for churches on our website that helps churches with this, that, you know, told them how to connect with Zoom, how to get an account, how to, some fun games to do, some interesting activities you can do, and how to engage small groups and, and all that. Uh, and it's helpful to churches. And, and I think that, that Zoom calls are definitely a solution. But I agree with you. I, I think that, I mean, I saw this maybe two months ago, exactly that. Uh, just kind of a downhill slope of we did a, a we did a round table like a it was every Monday and it was live and anybody could join and we started and and we started out with like I don't know, 60 70 people on our zoom call uh, at, at one time and then over the weeks it kind of dropped off and dropped off and I, I I'm with you I you know you can't take it personally we're all suffering from screen fatigue I mean we're just Oh my gosh. It's just, we're on a screen all day long and we have to be because that's how we have to connect with people right now. But I think that there's a, you know, as as soon as COVID can kind of let up, um, you know, I would love to see some more in-person stuff, you know, as as safely as we can. Uh, we, We need that physical interaction, I think. Yeah. Have you seen any unique solutions in regards to, to small groups? Um, I mean, mostly it's virtual meetings. It's a zoom, it's Google uh, hangouts, it's teams, um, that, that sort of thing. I've seen, uh, you know, like backyard things. So if you're in a neighborhood and y'all sit out in your driveway and, you know, put a movie screen up and watch a movie together, you know, some outside g- gatherings, uh, you know, 
things like that, or, you know, you're outside watching a movie and you have somebody on their phone or FaceTime or, you know, Zoom call. I, you know, I've seen some stuff like that or even drive, drive up church. You know, it's not small group, but, you know, drive up kind of experience where you have people on stage and then a lot of people in their cars in the parking lot. You know, people have gotten creative that way. Um, but I think the most effective small group tool right now online is Zoom. Yeah. And hopefully, like, as restrictions let up and stuff, that people can be together. But, yeah. I, and I think everyone's trying to make the best of it. But I also get it if people aren't as engaged, you know, because they – a lot of the reason a lot of people join community groups is to have those relationships, right? They they they, they learn a lot on the Sunday they're happy to study the Bible, like, and, and they want to study the Bible together with people, you know, at a Bible study. But I think just being with other humans is one of the the main draws for that, right? I would say if anything on a Zoom call, if you can, make it interesting. Be intentional about it. Pour some energy into creating a great experience with your small group. So if everybody is sitting there like, uh, what, what, do, what do you guys want to talk about? And nobody, nobody says anything. I mean, yeah, that gets boring. I'm like, I'm not going to go back. That, why am I going to do that? So if the leader or if you can kind of text around and say, hey, you guys want to play Zoom Bingo or whatever, you know, catchphrase or whatever the game might be on Zoom, uh, you know, introduce games, introduce some fun, maybe shorten it. So instead of going an hour, hour and a half, maybe you limit it to, you know, 30 minutes max. And so you're kind of craving for it the next time, you know, so maybe things like that can kind of help those go a little bit better. But um, yeah, the, it's tough, man. I mean, you know, COVID's kind of put us in a bind a little bit. Totally. Here's my next question then. How can we make church more meaningful in our kind of Zoom or media age? And, and what I mean by that is one of the main things the church does is when the church gathers, the church... We come, we sing together, we pray together, we hear the word preached. But then a lot of this, and especially this is elevated in a lot of tr church traditions, is you come to the table, right? You come to take communion. And uh, that's a lot of times not happening. And I've heard a lot of pushback against, you know, church being online because basically people are saying, look, we're just basically consuming another TV show. And so there's been a lot of people who've been quite frustrated with some of the ways churches have been doing things because... You're basically watching a few songs. There's barely kind of any time in prayer. You're getting a long sermon, a couple more songs, and then a, a goodbye, see you next week. And it's just no different than a TV show. What ways do you think we can make these weekend services more meaningful? Yeah, great question. So I think that if you are still 100% online, Here's what I would suggest. I would suggest you do a pre-recorded packaged service. So um, it, this is not like put a camera in the back of the room and just live stream whatever is happening on stage. And, and a lot of churches are on their way back, so this might not still work. But when COVID first hit, this was my strong suggestion is if you're 100% online, pre-record your uh, service. So you're going to pre-record songs from your worship band then you're going to pre-record a separate segment with your pastor. Then also, when you package that service together, add interesting elements to your worship experience. So here's what I mean. I saw churches that would have like a little girl do a, a recipe 
Like I saw one that would do like, uh, here's how to make guacamole when you're at home. And it's just a two minute, three minute video of somebody that everybody in the church knows that little girl. And she's showing me how to make homemade guacamole or it, or testimonies of nurses. Hey guys, thanks so much for praying for us here. Let me give you an update on the medical field. This is a person that everybody knows and knows of. So add, and it's easy. Just record something on your iPhone, send it to your church editor person, and they package it in and drop it in the worship experience. So maybe you have like a, you know, your countdown is filled with testimonies, or you have an opener video that goes into your worship set that has a bunch of either life change stories or testimonies or, um, you know, different, you know, recipes or different, you know, outside activities. Here's a family activity that you can do with your family while you're in quarantine kind of thing so that it's interesting. It's not just, you know, you're watching a worship set and, a, and your pastor. Those elements need to be there. But as, as much as you can do to keep it very fresh and interesting. Another idea is to do virtual choir videos. Mm. So I've seen a bunch of those, right? Yeah, exactly. So we've produced a lot of those for churches. And the thinking here is you're, you're including your choir or your band members or a group of people so that when people watch and they're like, oh, that's Joe. I know Joe. Oh, oh, dude, he is singing like crazy. Instead of just me watching worship leader and pastor every time. What if you have somebody different do your message or a portion of your message or read a scripture? What if you had somebody different lead worship or just do a song from one person or a virtual? I'm just saying change up to where your people never know what they're going to see the next week. It's not going to be, oh, I know what's happening. It's going to be, a you know, three songs of the same thing. And it's going to be my pastor and whatever. That type of thing does not work in in an online environment. You have to keep things fresh for your audience. And so that's just one suggestion of how do we make it more meaningful? You keep it fresh and you have new ideas uh, involved in crafting your worship experience. Right. One of the ones I, I thought was really cool was I saw a church. Um, they said, hey, they either said the week before or at the beginning of the service said, well, look, we're taking communion today. So pause the video and go find, you know, some juice or bread or the, the week before they say, make sure you have that around. And they said at some point, you know, like after the sermon, the, the video will come up again and we'll take communion together. And, and you know, within my theology, I, I'm OK with that because I believe that when any when people are gathered and they come to the table, right, they are basically sitting at the same table as every Christian ever has, right? And so a lot of people would say, well, the church isn't gathered, but you, you are. You're gathering at that same table, right? And and so I thought that was a real kind of meaningful way to be able to do that. And then even I think, yeah, you could you can sprinkle in other times where you're like, hey, listen, here's three things that we want you to pray for. Keep them on the screen and be like, just takes a moment now as a family or whoever's around you and just and pray for these. I think that is like, that gives audience engagement. Well, Carl, listen, as, as we come into a landing, thank you for your time. Thank you for being a part of this and, and joining us and, uh, you know, allowing us to learn from, um, you know, your experiences and, you know, your expertise. Yeah, well, Daniel, thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys and what you do at your ministry. And uh, man, you're a blessing to, to the church and to the kingdom. So really appreciate it, man. 
We are living in the new normal of COVID-19 that has forever changed the way we look at connecting with others. This pandemic has changed the way we shop, eat, vacation, and even attend church. We hope this episode with Carl Barnhill has helped you understand a little bit better how to move forward in this new reality that we're living in. If you'd like to hear more from Carl or check out 1230 Media, you can head over to 1230.media. They've got tons of resources for pastors, church members, and those who are exploring Christianity for the first time. If you've been enjoying the Indout podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us a message on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or send us an email to info at indout.ca, letting us know how Indout has shaped your worldview or answered some of the toughest questions that life has thrown at you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of In Doubt. And don't forget to come back next week where we'll have Daniel back again for part two of his conversation with Wesley Huff as they discuss the important question of whether or not we can trust the Bible and how can we know that the Bible is an accurate and true historical document. Just because you're not a biblical scholar does not mean that you can't have a solid understanding of what the Bible is and how it came to be. And Wesley is here to help you get there. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 